Eagles Entertainment. Hi, Eagles everywhere, and welcome to the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. I'm at the Novacare Complex. We're all getting ready for Sunday night football in America coming to town. Oh, and the Dallas Cowboys are too. It's a battle for first place in the NFC East, which has been, oh, quite the division this year. But nevertheless, a great rivalry is renewed. We're going to talk about that in this tailgate edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. We will go behind the scenes, our first look at the Cowboys with Mickey Spagnola at DallasCowboys.com. We're also going to celebrate this salute to service. Uh, we've got uh, quite a show for you, albeit of the cutout variety, perhaps. Uh, but still, it is salute to service, and there's a special program that uh, we want to talk about that is um, being spearheaded by our presenting partners of the game, the presenting sponsor, Toyota. So we'll have a couple of guests on, some ambassadors from Toyota a little bit later on. We're also going to visit with former Eagles wide receiver Tory Smith, one of the heroes from Super Bowl 52. But let's start with the quarterback, Carson Wentz, who I got I, I got to tell you, like I talk to the guy every week. I love him. Incredibly cooperative. But clearly he's not listening to me because when he scores a touchdown, it's like the lamest celebration. So I'm going to try to get on him about it and we'll see how he reacts. We spoke Thursday at the Novacare Complex. I'd like to start with this, Carson. I mean, I hate to be negative, but, like, we've talked about this over and over. You score a touchdown, and you're clearly not thinking, well, Spadaro and I were talking, and I have to improve my touchdown celebration. You continue to throw the ball up in the air. I mean, are we going to get better at this at all? You, you talk about getting better. Are you going to get better at this, this touchdown celebration? Well, for starters, I probably won't get better at it. Um, but... <laughs> I was proud that that one finally did go straight up in the air. So that was, you know, we're getting better. It's at least not slipping out of my hands or I'm not falling over. So that's that's progress in itself, I guess. <laughs> Carson, what is it like to be on the field in a fourth quarter kind of last drive situation? What 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 is that feeling like? Can you can you share that with me? Yeah, I mean, I love it. Uh, I love it, and I know guys love it because it's, I mean, it's just you and them out there. And, you know, it's its a bunch of guys believing in each other to, to get the job done, and um, you're not huddling. You're, you're kind of scrambling around, so to speak, and making decisions fast, playing fast, and it really gives you no time to really think about the situation because you're just playing. You're just playing, and um, I love those situations. And obviously there's times you come up short, and that's part of football and part of life, but um, – when you can execute and, and come from behind and pull off a win in those situations, um, it's super rewarding, and I'm thankful that we pulled it off the other day. From the time that you were a young quarterback to now, I mean, what is the progression of actually keeping your senses, staying calm, and yet at the same time being ur- being urgent? Yeah, I mean, I think it's something – I mean, you talk about from when you're a young kid. I mean, you, you as a kid, you grow up – simulating those situations in your backyard you know oh it's the fourth quarter it's fourth down like you you simulate those and and that's what you you kind of dream of as a kid is being the you know the team that's down and comes from behind and pulls off a win and obviously we'd we'd love to be up and and have to just grind it out and you know um, run the ball and pull out wins that way but you know in those situations you've we've done them so many times I've done them since I was a kid done them in high school I've, I've been in those moments in college um, and now we've practiced it so many times in the NFL, but then also, I mean, I'm in my fifth year. 
Um, so you kind of know what to expect and you, you kind of realize to just, just play, to not think about the nerves, the stress, the pressure of the situation. You just play and um, leave it all out there. And, and, you know, I think it's been pretty good for us. Carson, this, this wide receiver group is, I mean, really, it's extraordinarily young. Tell me a little bit about the growth and what you've seen collectively from this group of young fellows. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned it. it. It's very young, um, but very talented. There's a lot of talent, a lot of guys that have uh, have really good skill sets to be a part of this offense, and even guys that maybe aren't playing or getting as many reps. Um, I love what I'm seeing out of these young guys. I think it's just going to be all about continuing to grow and work together um, and, and building that chemistry and those relationships, but um, they're all – They've all, they've all grown so much right in front of us, and I think these this experience that a lot of them have gotten um, is going to go a long way for their career. And um, you know, missing the off season and missing extra time together, I think, makes it harder on them. But they've done a tremendous job each week, getting better and better, um, and they keep making big plays for us. Last Thursday, everybody talked about the Boston Scott touchdown, phenomenal play. Congratulations on that. But I also thought that the Greg Ward touchdown was something special. Um, both from the throw and from the route and the catch and getting into the end zone. From your perspective, what was so special about the execution of that play? Yeah, I think it was, I mean, it was Greg. I think it was a great play design, um, but just Greg just using his speed and um, getting out there and kind of his change of pace on on his motion and everything. And um, I mean, Greg's just a playmaker. You know, I'm going to put it where it needs to be and and he's going to come down with it. I mean, he's making contested catches every single week. Um, he's getting, you know, guy hanging all over him when he's making catches. He's getting hit pretty good on some of these and he just keeps fighting. He keeps fighting, keeps making play after play. And, um, you know, I have so much confidence when I pull the trigger to throw it to Greg, um, whether he's covered or not, because he keeps showing up and making big plays. And, um, he did it again there. The Dallas defense has had its troubles, but those linebackers, they seem to be quite an extraordinary group of linebackers. Uh, what, what role as you look at a defense, do the linebackers play? What makes that group of linebackers so difficult? Yeah, I think, I mean, you kind of hit it on the head. They are very talented. They're both, um, really all of them do a tremendous job, both in the run game and in the um, passing game. And so for us, it's just knowing where they're at and trying to keep them off balance, you know, with, with running the ball, play actions, and throwing the ball just so they can't get a beat on anything. And that's when I think um, you can, you know, that's when I think you can be successful against them. But if you're one-dimensional and, and kind of let them just play and play fast, um, they do a great job. And so I think their scheme is built for them. We've been going up against them for a long time. Uh, a lot of respect for, for the, those linebackers. But uh, we, we just got to handle our business and keep them off balance and hopefully, uh, you know, limit um, what they can do on defense. And then, Carson, there's there's only 7,000 fans at Lincoln Financial Field. But has it made a difference with the energy level of the building? Absolutely. Um, you know, just I, I thought it was going to be strange still, and it still is having no um, having just 7,000 fans. But, um, man, it was extremely strange when we were playing up the link with no fans. It, it felt very strange and very different. Um, so having fans out there hearing, hearing the, the cheering and the boos uh, felt great, felt good. And um, we definitely miss having everyone there, but it's a plus to get some people out there. This weekend, it's Halloween. I know you'll be in a hotel on Saturday night. Will there be any sort of Halloween, first Halloween kind of celebration at the Wentz household this weekend? I don't know. With everything going on and COVID and everything, I think Halloween kind of limited this year. So I'm sure we'll do something, get together with our, our family that's out here. But um, keep it pretty simple and just get some good uh, 
good family time in with, with Hadley and with my wife. Carson Wentz, thank you so much. Have a great day. I appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. The Dallas Cowboys are 2-5. and five. They've remade their roster this week, trading defensive end Everson Griffin, cutting defensive tackle Don Terry Poe, cutting cornerback Daryl Worley. As we speak, they don't know who their quarterback is going to be Sunday night. Could be Andy Dalton, who's still in concussion protocol. It could be Ben DiNucci, a rookie seventh-round draft pick from James Madison, who's thrown all of three passes in the NFL. The Cowboys have been a mess. Finger-pointing, blame game, lots of injuries to the offensive line, and of course, quarterback Dak Prescott. So let's find out what's happening with the Dallas Cowboys with my good friend Mickey Spagnola from DallasCowboys.com. Mickey Spagnola, I I think everybody kind of expected when the Eagles played the Cowboys here in Week 8, it would be for the first place in the NFC East. I don't think anybody thought that our records would be as they are. Uh, Explain how the first seven weeks of the season have gone for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, not uh, obviously not what uh, they expected. Uh, sort of like what's happened to the Eagles. Uh, just a, a plethora of injuries. Uh, not only losing your uh, starting quarterback, but also basically losing uh, in the last couple weeks uh, four fifths of your starting offensive line. And uh, I'm as you guys are very aware of, uh, there's not enough offensive linemen to go around in this league for starters, let alone backups and then backups to the backups. So I think that is uh, uh, firmly uh, deteriorated what the Cowboys could do on offense. And then the defense has just, uh, since the season opening game, has been just an absolute mess uh, and doesn't seem to be getting better. Uh, you know, Dave, I was thinking... <clears throat> with the struggles they would have on offense without Dak, without, you know, two pro bowlers on the uh, offensive line. Uh, And and if you look at Travis Frederick's retirement, uh, this defense would be the reason that they would need them to play well to bail them out. And it just hasn't happened that way. So here they sit, two and five, a half game out of first place. (laughs) Okay, so, but look, (laughs) we all know anything can happen. It's a crazy world. Uh, what is the formula here on, on Sunday night for the Cowboys to kind of snap out of it? How, if it were to happen, Mickey, how could it happen? Yeah, it has to happen. I would imagine that the defense has to play immeasurably better uh, than it has. Uh, it has to play better uh, than it has against the run, which has just been uh, deplorable. If you think in three of the last four games they've given up 307, 281, and 208 uh, on the ground, Uh, and especially the 208 to Washington that came in averaging 82.2 points a game rushing. Uh, They just got to play better, and they need other guys to play better if indeed uh, they've got to start their third quarterback, Ben DiNucci, the rookie seventh-round draft choice, uh, who will, you know, start preparing uh, as if he's going to start and, until they see if Andy Dalton uh, can get through the concussion protocol, uh, which, uh, you know, today uh, on the injury report, he'll be a DNP for sure, and then we'll see where that goes uh, going forward during the week. 
If it is Ben DiNucci, what do you know about Ben DiNucci? No preseason games and three passes against Washington last week. Yeah, uh, you know, I have to look at his college career, I guess. Uh, you know, he started off at Pitt and then uh, transferred to James Madison and he was very good uh, at that level. He was one of the best players uh, at that level, best player in that conference. Uh, kind of sort of mimicked uh, the college career of, uh, uh, of Tony Romo. Uh, but again, I'm not saying he's Tony Romo. And, you know, we've seen him for, you know, just a cup of coffee so far. So, uh, you know, he's, he, I think he's accurate. Uh, I think he uh, has a quick release. Uh, seems to have a pretty good concept, but as he pointed out, uh, after having to come in and uh, early in that third quarter against uh, Washington, he said, you know, I was at James Madison. I didn't play against the Chase Youngs and the Deron Paynes uh, of, the, of the world. Uh, so that was quite uh, eye-opening for him. And again, as you know, you bring in a guy that's got no experience whatsoever. Uh, the hardest part is not the physical skills, but the, the mental part of recognition and, and and the speed of the game. And you know, unfortunately, he didn't have any of that in preseason. So uh, this will be uh, this will be pretty pretty eye opening, I would think, for him uh, going up against the Eagles' defense. Mickey, you know, we were all watching in in horror when. Dak Prescott went down with that injury. It's, it such, seems like a, such a, a nice young man and a great quarterback. What an MVP caliber first quarter of the season he was having. Uh, what can you tell us about his rehab? Um, is he going to be? Is, in the, is the long term prognosis a good one? Yes, uh, it is. Uh, and uh, you know, it's been pointed out that other people have had similar injuries, like the dislocation uh, of the ankle and a compound fracture. You know, uh, former Cowboys wide receiver Alan Hearns kind of went through the same thing, uh, suffered that injury in the last playoff game in the 2018 season. And, you know, he's back playing, uh, seems to be playing well. So uh, they're thinking, you know, four to six months before he can get back to doing much of anything. Uh, but the prognosis uh, seems to be good and you know, knowing Dak, uh, you know, he'll dive into it head first and uh, do everything he can. You know, the, the injury, Dave, I, I kept saying it was so Dak. You know, he, he, he could have run for seven yards and slide, but no, not Dak Prescott. He's going to try to bull his way for the two more or three more to get the first down. And then when he goes down, you know, he's going to sit there and try to straighten his foot out. Uh, knowing that it, the ankle had dislocated and he's going to put it back in place himself, right? If you saw yeah. him there with his two hands on his foot. And I was thinking back to the day when I remember Troy Aikman dislocated a finger and he had Kevin Gogan trying to yank it to get it back in place. And I'm thinking, <laughs> Dak, this isn't a finger. This is an ankle, right? Uh, so, yeah, it was a pretty devastating injury. Uh, and, and I think we've seen... Uh, the outpouring of care around the league and even in other uh, in other sports for uh, feeling for Dak Prescott. Yeah, it was really. I mean, prior to the injury, it was really remarkable how even with all the injuries up front, the Cowboys were still scoring points at will. And you know, it really illustrates just how good Dak is. No, no, absolutely, because he was 
he was his ability was compensating for the problems on the offensive line. Now, the problem that 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 ended up compounding the offensive line is at least you were hanging in there uh, with Zach Martin uh, out there playing. Uh, at least you were, and I, I never thought I'd come to saying this, but uh, you know you had spent time uh, snaps on the the backup to the backup left tackle Brandon Knight playing, and he was kind of improving. And then he tears a meniscus and has to have a scope and was going to miss at least uh, three weeks. So, uh, yeah, it, it, the offensive line part of it, and that was asking Andy Dalton, I think, a heck of a lot to try to hang in there with that. And, you know, and I'm sure the Eagles have seen what Washington has done, what Arizona has done. When you got that much experience on the offensive line, you know, the defenses are going to just start blitzing and blitzing and double blitzing. And uh, so uh, good luck to Ben DiNucci if he indeed is the starter. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about the defense. I mean, I, I know there's been a, a lot of change this week potentially here as well. Um, and the personnel seems good. What What is your read on what's happened with the Dallas defense? Yeah, they just, you know, there's been a lot of excuses thrown out there. Uh, you know, the fact that they're transitioning from one scheme to another. They had tried playing some 3-4 and lapse into back into a 4-3, except they don't have a, a true strong side linebacker with Sean Lee out. Uh, and then guys are just missing assignments. I mean, if you go back and look, you know, I, I kept hearing all these excuses about, uh, well, it's a new scheme, you know, it's a new defensive coordinator. And so, okay, fine, you're seven games into the, the season. You know, you're not trying to, to break the atom here. You know, it, it's football. And just do your job. And just been so many busted assignments. Uh, it, it, it's been, it, I mean, I, I, it's unbelievable the amount. And, and so we'll see where this goes. Uh, you know, and you're right. There is some talent there. Uh, but again, uh, it, it's just not playing to, uh, that level. And, uh, until that gets better, I, 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 I don't know how two and five is going to get better. Yeah. I mean, Hey, look. Eagles in the same boat, two, four, and one. Needed a two touchdowns late in the fourth quarter to beat the New York Giants. So I don't think anybody in the NFC East is sitting there going, "Yeah, we're really good here. We've got it all solved." Hey, the Giants are only a game and a half out, right? Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> With one win, yeah, uh, yeah. This is a, this is a, uh, incredible uh, for this uh, for this uh, conference. I mean, for this division. Yeah, I was listening to the game the other night and. Uh, they were talking about uh, how tough the NFC West was. And I said, yeah, because they get to play the NFC East. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, but we, we're old enough to remember the, the days when it was Buddy Ryan and Jimmy Johnson and Bill Parcells and Joe Gibbs and I forget who the Cardinals head coach was, but those were the days, man. The NFC East was yeah, unbelievable. No, no, you're exactly right. And, you know, I, and I, I guess these things probably are cyclical. Uh, you know, but the, I, I don't know if it's ever been uh, as bad as it is. And you know, I've seen some times when, you know, the, the records were were not very good, but not to the point where no one in the league going into the eighth game, no one has more than two victories. That, that's, uh, yeah, that, that is rather remarkable. But again, you know, the Eagles are the only, only team with a, a, a coach 
that's not a first-year coach with the team. The other three uh, teams all have first-year head coaches. So I don't know, you know, if you, you compound that with – uh, what's gone on with the COVID-19 and the restrictions and limitations and getting ready for the season it has to do with it. But, uh, it, yeah, it, it, it's just been a, uh, a really bad collision for uh, the, the three teams with first-year coaches. Yeah, and nobody wants to ever use it as an excuse, but the fact is injuries do matter in this league, and the Cowboys and the Eagles have been decimated where it – where it matters the most, the offensive line, and in the case of the Cowboys, as we've seen in the past, the position of quarterback. Can't lose those guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I like to – I used to say this, and I finally heard someone agree with me. Uh, uh, Troy Aikman was on a radio interview uh, the other day, and he says, you know, uh, the, the people in the media, they sit there all week talking about injuries, talking about who's going to play, who's not going to play. Uh, and then when you get to the game and these guys don't play and then the team doesn't play well, it, it, it's like, well, what happened? You know, it's like injuries do matter. Uh, and, 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 they, and, you know, especially on the offensive line. Uh, you know, as I said to start, you know, there's not enough offensive linemen to go around to have more than two uh, credible backups usually. Uh, and even though you've got 16 guys on a practice squad and, and probably everybody's loading up on offensive linemen, you just can't find these guys. And, and, and it, no more uh, realizing that than watching these other leagues try to play, right, the AAF, the XFL. The biggest problems they have is they don't have enough offensive linemen to keep the quarterbacks upright. And so those are the guys that are now on these 16-man practice squads uh, that that you know weren't very good in those leagues, and now they're trying to do it in the NFL. Yeah. Hey, well, Mickey, thanks so much for your time. Uh, uh, stay healthy and uh, and good luck the rest of the way. We'll talk to you a little later in the season. Appreciate it, Dave, and enjoy the conversation. See ya. Tory Smith lived on speed. He also won two Super Bowls in his career. He knows what it takes to win, and in the short time he was in Philadelphia. He absolutely ingratiated himself with the organization and with the fans. And in the Eagles' Super Bowl 52 victory over the New England Patriots, Torrey Smith came up big time and time again. So it's good to catch up with Torrey Smith as our Microsoft Teams Eagles Legend of the Week. We are glad to welcome in as our Microsoft Teams Eagles Legend of the Week former wide receiver, Torrey Smith. How are you there, Torrey? Doing great. How about yourself? Nice just, seeing you. Uh, nice to see you too. I like the background there. You got the Eagles helmet. You got some game balls there. Very, very football-y. I <laughs> uh, played the NFL from 2011 through 2018. Two Super Bowl championship rings. Where are those rings right now? Uh, they're in a special safe in the house somewhere. I can't give away secrets just in case the burglars out there. <laughs> they're in the house and uh, they've been coming out a lot more often lately. It just seems like yesterday that you were here. It was 2017. Uh, the Eagles were winning the Super Bowl. Does that feel like that to you, or does it feel like it's a really long time ago? It does feel like a long time ago now because each and every year, you know, it's a new season and there's a new champion. But to me, being a retired guy now, I for sure appreciate it. And, you know, I'm enjoying the chase watching it. And, again, I'm reminded every day when I walk through my house, my jersey's in the basement, and, you know, there's some pictures from that run. So, I'm for sure reminded of each and every day, but the guys now, obviously, they're focused on getting the next one. 
Tori, you've won two Super Bowls. You were also in an AFC championship game. In your mind, is there a formula for success that, that maybe we don't see that dictates wins and losses in the NFL beyond talent and a great play caller, anything like that? There are so many different things that go into it. You know, obviously talent is a major piece, but it's about the team as well. Uh, everyone pulling the rope in the same direction and also the culture. I mean, a little bit of luck in there. I mean, it takes a lot to win the Super Bowl, and that's why it's not as easy to come back. So when you see what a team like the Patriots, what they were able to do over that run, it highlights how difficult it is, and you have to put a lot of respect on it. But they don't just it doesn't just happen on accident. It takes a, a special mix of so many different things to win that championship. Tory, 2017, Eagles had never done it. Um, how did it happen? Take, take me through your perspective on how the Eagles – raced through that regular season and won Super Bowl 52? Just together. You know, I remember my first practice there in the offseason. I'm like, man, this team has it. The talent is here. The coaching is there. The leadership is there from the top down. And the opportunity is right. You know, you have a, a young, talented quarterback in Carson Wentz, and he's ready to take the next step. And so you're looking, and it felt right. And then throughout the year, we overcame injuries. Everyone pulled together and fought together the entire time. And that was really the difference. You know, when it comes down to it, guys are going to get hurt each and every year. It's about how you respond and how you continue to press forward. And it doesn't have to always be the prettiest. You just have to figure out a way to have more points at the end of the day. Take us inside the locker room. What was, if anything, unique about the personalities of that football team all coming together? Yeah, so many different guys. Uh, there's a great mix of veterans and younger guys, guys who have been there, guys who have won it. Also, guys who were just hungry for it, guys who wanted to learn. I mean, you had coaches who obviously knew what it took to get there, but you had everyone who bought into Coach Peterson's vision for the team, and he also respected the players as well. So it was really a great relationship uh, between everyone, so it was no surprise when everything played out the way it did. Tori, anything that you grabbed from that Super Bowl-winning season, any memento, a scoop of confetti, or anything like that? I actually have a towel from the Super Bowl. I had one from my previous one in Baltimore. I also have some signs, too, now that I think about some name tags. My son's name is Tory Smith, so he's trying to get me to put it in his room and put it up <laughs> on his wall because that's his name. Actually, my first name is James Tory Smith, so he's a real Tory Smith. He wants to steal him, but I have a lot of things that, little things like that that last more because um, I was kind of hoarding the first time I went to the Super Bowl, and I realized some of the big items I took like, they're nowhere to be found. They're not going to be able to go up anywhere. The most of just keepsakes. You know, the coolest thing I have is when we got back on the airplane, on the team plane, on the seat, there was like a little sign that said Spadero Super Bowl champion. And then on the other side was Doug, like, lifting up the trophy. Like, that was so cool. <laughs> so easy to tell. That thing is, like, prominently displayed in my home. I wonder, Tori, um, eight years in the NFL, there were guys bigger than you, faster than you. Why did you make it when they didn't? I think it's just about being dedicated. You know, I'm far from a perfect person or a perfect player, but I always worked extremely hard. Um, I always made the plays when they mattered the most. And, you know, I was always a good teammate. So I think that kind of carries you a long way. You know, I've been, a, I played in some of the biggest games on the biggest stages, and I've been able to make some of the biggest plays on the biggest stages. So I think that kind of carried me through. And I've also made a, failed a lot as well. Um, and so to me, I think just having that, that character and knowing what it takes to get there and continuing to fight for it is something that helped me, especially, you know, going on as I got older, you know, you have other guys that are looking and you're able to help them 
try to guide them in their direction while trying to perform as well. And, you know, I've enjoyed the entire process. You've been out of the league for two years. Uh, what do you miss about being an NFL player? Mainly just the relationships with the team. You know, it's a, it's a new adjustment. And then even more with COVID, right? I retired the wrong year. You know, COVID happens and trying to figure out what's going on. But you know, it's an adjustment. I'm used to spending more time with my teammates than my own family. So now I've been able to be a better family member. I've had to adjust to being a better husband and a better father because now you really are there um, more than ever. So that's kind of been an adjustment and something that I've, I've realized I've had to improve on because I didn't realize, you know, I knew how much my wife did and how hard she worked for her household. But it's like, man, you're a part of it now. This is your routine. It's not just like, hey, you can get away with, oh, yeah, practice, yeah, this. I'm very busy with so many different things, but I mean, focusing on my family and building my family the right way has been my number one priority, and I've enjoyed, you know, that growth process. I want to get into those other things in a moment, but first, let's talk about COVID and the impact on the NFL and the outbreaks here. Um, your perspective on how players have to adjust and the discipline they have to have to get through this 2020 season. Man, discipline is everything. You know, I feel like if I were playing and the guys that are playing, it's literally life or death. You know, you you have to – you're not in a bubble, right? It's not like the NBA. The guys aren't in a bubble, so you have to be smart. And I think it's very selfish of guys who aren't following protocol, who aren't doing certain things because when you walk into that building, not only do you have to look at each and every player, um, you don't know their situation. You don't know if their kids are considered high risk. You don't know if their parents live with them. Um, you don't know about the equipment staff or – the athletic trainers who may be at risk, but they're there working hard because they love and care for you. I mean, to me, it's about protecting and taking care of the people that you love the most. So be disciplined now for a short time. I mean, we're lucky that we even had the opportunity to watch them and that they had the opportunity to, to play while we're still in a pandemic with no really ending in sight, right? There's no vaccine yet. So, you know, you just have to be safe and you have to be responsible. All that other stuff can wait. And to me, you know, I think, for the most part, the league has done an amazing job in trying to make sure that guys are, are doing the right things. But, you know, guys individually, you know, can't, you aren't, they, they can't hold your hand. You know, you have to make sure you're taking care of business at home. It's been an uneven start for the Eagles, ups and downs here through the first part of the season. What's your perspective on how Doug Peterson is managing all these injuries and all these, you know, these unpredictable moments that we've experienced here through the first part of the season? I think he's doing well. You know, that's what it's all about. You know, you're continuing to press for You're continuing to adjust, which is something that he's proven time and time again, that he's one of the best at doing. You know, you have Carson Wentz, who's been battling through injuries up front and with his weapons outside. He continues to be a warrior on that field each and every week. So this is a team that, listen, it, it all, all that matters is how it looks at the end of the year. This is a team that has the ability to go and to turn that corner because of the leadership that they have in Coach Peterson and Carson Wentz at quarterback. Tori, you've been so involved in the community. You were here. You were one of our great ambassadors when you played here. Uh, what, other than being a great father and a great husband, uh, what are you involved in these days? Yeah, we're actually uh, in Baltimore City. Um, we have a partnership with Baltimore Rec and Parks where we'll be taking over a community center. So that's huge for my family and our commitment to take the next step because we've always been focused on helping families or individual students. Now we can help that child, his siblings, you know, the, the parents, the family, and the entire neighborhood. So that's a, a big challenge that we're looking forward to um, taking on in the future when COVID decides to uh, calm down a little bit. But also um, just doing a little bit of media now and 
uh, doing a lot of stuff, you know, with my family as well. I'm, I'm the PE teacher in our homeschool situation, <laughs> and, I, and my daughter, I'm her, I'm her personal teacher. She, she'll be two here in December, and my wife is, you know, leading charge as a former educator herself. So we've been enjoying that process until you know they actually make it back to school because we're actually homeschooling. We're not just doing virtual learning; we are homeschooling. So oh, wow. that's been a huge commitment. Yeah, certainly. And by the way, your kids are favorites of everybody here at the NovaCare Complex. <laughs> and on behalf of the Eagles organization, hello to all your family. Uh, you guys are just wonderful people, role models, and we thank you so much for your time in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And thanks for joining me today here, Tori Smith, our Microsoft Teams Eagles Legend of the Week. Great to catch up with you, Tori, and good to see that smile. Good to see you doing well. Thank you. Nice seeing you as well. I'm Jim Cramer, and welcome to my world. You need to get in the game. I always like to say there's a bull market somewhere. And I promise Mad you, money. Just you can't afford to miss it. Hey, I'm Kramer. Birds fans, it's happening. I mean, just when you gave up, right? Just when you were thinking, oh, my God, yeah, we lost to the Giants. It's horrible. I heard you. I heard you sigh. I heard you cry. Well, that period is over. We're going up against a Cowboy team that reminds me of the old days at Franklin Field where I sold you who. I am telling you, this is the real deal team. Do you know that we have receivers coming back and they're not as good as the ones off the couch? We have receivers from schools that you didn't know had programs. And maybe they didn't even have programs. And they're fantastic. And look at Wentz. Remember when you wanted to write Wentz off? You wanted that other guy playing? Yeah, I'm not even going to mention Jalen's name. I think that this is the beginning of the run. And you know what we suffered? But we're going to win. On Sunday night, the Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys, our salute to service game ahead of the Veterans Day on November 11th in this great country of ours. In a couple of moments, we're going to meet some of uh, two ambassadors from Toyota, the presenting partner of this game, of this prime time event. And we'll meet and talk about a very important program that they are promoting, uh, something that we all want to hear. Want to get you kind of caught up with what the Eagles have planned with about 7,000 fans at Lincoln Financial Field on Sunday night. The anthem will be performed, uh, performed virtually, of course, by U.S. Air Force Tech Sergeant Eric Anderson of the 177th Air Fighter Wing. He is the cousin of Eagles running back Corey Clement. Uh, one of our staff members, I will not let you know who it is, game day staff members, will be named as the Eagles nominee for the 2020 NFL Salute to Service Award, which acknowledges the exceptional efforts by members of the NFL community to honor and support members of the military community. Uh, that is very cool. Uh, uh, neither of our ambassadors will be at the game, but will be represented in section 115 by a cutout. They'll have their pictures displayed on the big screen when Toyota's presenting partner, Reed, is going on. Toyota Military donating 50 tickets to the military for this game, donated 40 cutouts to military members in addition to the 10 cutouts that are going to their ambassadors. Uh, Toyota will be presenting a visit to the VA hospital during the week of Veterans Day featuring Eagles players and a Hiring Our Heroes ambassador. They'll be visiting the Philadelphia VA hospital virtually via robots provided by the Eagles. So that is very cool and we will cover that when it happens. What I'd like to do now is meet our two Toyota ambassadors. Uh, first, let's meet um, Sergeant Major Ron Green joined Hiring Our Heroes and Toyota as a personal branding ambassador in 2019. Ron, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, appreciate it, Ryan. I appreciate you coming on very much. Brad Snyder joined Hiring Our Heroes and Toyota as a personal branding ambassador in 2019 
And as a Team Toyota athlete since 2017, um, Brad, thanks very much for joining us. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Brad, it's my understanding that you've been to Lincoln Financial Field before, right? When there were fans in the stands, uh, what was the experience like for you? I've, I've had the opportunity to go a couple times. Went to the Eagles game. It was either last year or the year before, but as a Naval Academy graduate, I've spent many a Army-Navy game at Lincoln Financial, and it's been an outstanding experience every time. Uh, every time that I was the midshipman, Navy won, so it was always a, a great day for me. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about this Hiring for Heroes program, because I know it's a, it is a program that is going to reach far and wide, and it's something that's honestly very important to me. What happens to our military heroes when they are finished their service. And Ron, I'd like you to kind of start with me here. Um, kind of talk about the program and what it means to you. What is the, what is the goal here? And, and what kind of reach have you had so far? Um, hey, thanks for the question. Um, it's, a, it's a great opportunity, first off. I'd like to say uh, thanks to the Eagles, uh, thanks to the network. Uh, Brad, thank you for your service. And I don't say that, you know, to uh, do anything but, but give you gratitude there, Brad, and the 17 million that uh, I've worn the uniform. Um, it's a great opportunity to, to honor the veterans on this new service game and to partner with some of our, you know, um, our uh, associates that are out to actually do what you said, expand the knowledge between um, employers and service members. Our challenge is, um, at the end of our service, is really uh, being able to take what we've learned, our skills, everything that we've learned in the military, and translate that over to a language that civilian uh, organizations understand. And that's where Hiring Our Heroes comes in. Um, in, in. In 2012, Toyota and Hiring Our Heroes got together and brought forth a personal branding initiative. And that allows service members and spouses, also spouses are in this conversation also, to um, communicate their brand, their personal brand, to potential, to potential hires. And that's very important. They also created a, um, a platform, uh, ResumeEngines.org, which is a digital uh, resource, and it has thousands of um, um, pre-written descriptions of service, of education. It takes all that military language and turns it into something that the military member can present, you know, to the uh, to the potential hire, and they can speak a language that they both understand. So that's been very important, and uh, I can't say enough about how our heroes Toyota and the effort that everyone's making to support. I love to hear that, uh, Brad Snyder. Really interesting story that you have. Uh, you began your professional career as an ensign in the U.S. Navy. You graduated from the U.S. Naval Academy with a degree in naval architecture. Deployed to Iraq in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom. You sustained complete vision loss as a result of an explosion and then went on to compete in the 2012 Paralympic Games in London. Two gold medals, one silver medal, 2016 games in Rio de Janeiro, three gold medals and one silver. You retired medically from the US Navy in 2013. I'd like to know, as an athlete, you know, how has this uh, how did you know you're, you're an honorary captain today? How did sports help you make the transition, and and how are you partnering with Toyota to share your story? Well, first off, I'd like to thank Ron for his service as well. I spot on there. I appreciate his remarks uh, in this forum. 
Um, I think that uh, sports for me, looking back on it, uh, despite the fact that I spent four years at the Naval Academy learning things like leadership and being indoctrinated in the military, learning the, the core essence of honor, courage, and commitment, many of the, the broader understanding of virtue that I gathered as a young man was uh, in, in competition in sports, learning what it meant to be dedicated to a craft, uh, you know, getting up at 4.30 in the morning and, and uh, you know, putting in the hours and the miles that it takes to really get better at something uh, in, in the athletic domain. Uh, and then uh, in college, like working as a part of a team, understanding that my role as an individual meant so much more when it was in uh, a contribution to, you know, Navy beating Army or something to that effect. And I think that that competition, in a way, brings out the best of us. And I think that's the most important thing about sports is that, you know, it doesn't really matter how many touchdowns one team gets uh, versus another team. But what it does is it inspires the best in all of us. And I think that's something we will walk away from uh, either wa playing sports or, or watching sports. And I, I think um, that's that's the, the valuable service they play uh, uh, for our community. And I think that that ties into what Toyota and, and hiring our heroes and I have been able to do is really trying to inspire our community to uh be the best versions of themselves. Uh, and then especially as it, as it pertains to veterans, uh, you know, sharing an appreciation for those stories uh, through hiring our heroes, sharing an appreciation for the struggle of a veteran who might have spent, you know, three, five, seven, even nine years uh, in places like Iraq and Afghanistan doing really incredible things, whether it's jumping out of aircraft or uh, uh, dismantling explosives or, you know, all, all, all towards keeping our country safe. Uh, but they come back to the United States and, and don't really know how to translate those skills into meaningful employment, feel like they're behind their peers who have been in the workplace while they were deployed. Uh, that's a, a tragic situation. And I'm proud to partner with Toyota and Hiring Our Heroes who are you know, going to great lengths to mitigate that gap. Ron, you retired from the military, uh, from, sorry, from the Marine Corps in 2019. Um, so it hasn't been that long. What has the challenge been like for you to transition back into this civilian life? Uh, I, I took a few months off. I took a different path. Uh, I took a few months off, and uh, I'll tell you, Dave, it was, it, it was, I guess, the hardest part is the unknown. It's just the unknown. I spent 36 years in the uniform, you know, um, doing the same thing, you know, Brad did, uh, defending the freedom and the <clears throat> and liberty of this nation and, and protecting each other, you know, all of our service members, those who we go with. And that's all we have when we get there is each other. And, uh, you know, it was hard. It wasn't hard taking the uniform off because, you know, once a Marine, always a Marine. Once, you know, a sailor, always a sailor. You know, we'll we, we, we'll never give that up. The hardest part was, what's next? You know, just, just figuring out what's next. Now, I came to the Marine Corps by way of, you know, getting put out of college, wasn't focused, didn't have mentors, all the things I've learned, the principles, the traits. I had I none of that. I'm from Jackson, Mississippi. And, uh, you know, scoring the West scholarship in music, came to the Marine Corps, they gave me focus, you know. And we had a transition program product 2012 that really didn't get after the needs of veterans and spouses, you know, even the military. And I met uh, Hired Our Heroes in 2012, believe it or not. I've been attached to that program that long. Hmm. And that's when they launched a personal brand. And I was honored, you know, when they asked me uh, when I retired, you know, in December 31st, 2019, to be an ambassador, you know, I said, there's nothing greater I can do than go out there and tell the story of the men and women um, who are willing to uh, voluntarily give their lives for this nation. 
you know, to put their lives on the line. It's not so great a story. So it was just the unknown. And I was very fortunate. I was actually out speaking with one of my heroes back in September at Camp Missouri, North Carolina. And uh, retired General Cortez with the Microsoft in MSSA program asked me to go over and speak to those Marines that were in the class. And I went over and spoke to them, Southwest Airline. They were speaking behind me, coming up behind me. And uh, one of the gentlemen recruiting that day was for Warrior Hire with Southwest, had been in the Marine Corps in the 90s. And it was just a match made in heaven. We spoke. I went out in October, visited down here in Dallas where the headquarters is. They invited my family back in December. We visited. They didn't have to invite my family back. I was so, I was so, you know, because of, you know, the attachment uh, that they have in the military with the Warrior Hire program, how they treat individuals. And uh, they, they really cleared my mind. But I think about, you know, the, the hundreds of thousands that come into the military every year and hundreds of thousands that go out. Whatever come in, they, they go out. And they don't necessarily have the same opportunity. So it's an honor, you know, to be out here and speak and to partner with Highline Heroes and Toyota and to talk about the, the resume engine. And uh, I was in uh, Okinawa, Japan with Highline Heroes in February when coronavirus actually became, you know, a, a, a buzzword here in America. Because February 23rd, when I took off, we really weren't talking about it. I uh, got on the plane. Everybody had on a mask on to Japan. And uh, when I came back the next week, we, we went full mask and everything. And uh, I stayed connected with Hana Heroes because they've had virtual, you know, processes like this to talk to warriors, reassure them that the nation, we will get up, we will get past this. And believe it or not, many organizations, there are about 1,100, uh, you know, that are attached to the program. They stayed on with us. 24 traveled to Japan, 21 in, um, during that time in um, February. They didn't have to. They knew the dangers. They went anyway. And that says something, you know, to, to the organizations out there that uh, are willing to help military members and, and families. So thanks to everyone who lives uh, ahead. Brad, your perspective on why is it so difficult to make the transition back to civilian life? It revolves around identity, and, and uh, we, we do this on purpose within the military. We, uh, when you are indoctrinated into the military, whether that's in the Navy, the Marine Corps, the Army, uh, the Air Force, you show up on day one and they shave your head, and they start uh, running you around and making you do push-ups and things like that. And that indoctrination process is on purpose, is to teach you uh, about that notion of your individual contributions are worth more when it's towards the team, towards our, our nation. At the Naval Academy, we say ship, shipmate self, uh, almost always. Um, and you're, you believe that and you understand that and you kind of, you, you build your identity around that notion of service and your uniform and your vocation, whether that's a helicopter pilot or a, an EOD officer or a, an army grunt, um, you kind of build your identity around that. Um, unfortunately, almost none of that is super relevant back here uh, in the States in a corporate boardroom or, you know, uh, in, in a, an auto shop or wherever else. Um, so it, it takes a lot of work to figure out out of all of those experiences, out of all of those uh, lessons that you have uh, with your time in the military, what is relevant. And what is relevant is leadership, uh, an appreciation for duty, an appreciation for discipline, those sorts of things. Uh, but it's not immediately obvious. So it, 
I think that's one of the greatest things that hiring our heroes does through their branding initiatives and the resume engine and things like that is helping veterans look back retrospectively through their background and understand the real, you know, uh, raw materials that they have to be great leaders in, uh, and again, corporate America or wherever else. Brad, finally, um, we have a big audience here. We're going to have a big audience for the game. We're going to wrap a lot into this message, salute to service and hiring our heroes. How can fans help veterans and their spouses? How can they help them find jobs and assimilate back into society? Well, I, I think anyone who will tell you, uh, you know, networking is the number one thing. Um, so Ron said it best. I think first, you know, thank vets for their service. Uh, you know, I think a lot of vets are increasingly feeling like uh, they've they've spent all of this time downrange, and, and most people in America aren't aren't even aware of it. I think Ron said it best. Thank you for your service. I think that's step one. Step two is introduce them around and look for those opportunities uh, wherever you can. I think networking's all about, or networking's the number one thing. And I think that's one of the things again that that Toyota and hiring our heroes do the best is uh, you know helping us build our network and find those opportunities where they are. Well, Ron Green and Brad Snyder are honorary captains for this Sunday night game. Salute to service, hiring our heroes. We thank Toyota. We thank you guys for your service. Thank you so much for being part of everything. I know that Ron is in the heart of Eagles um, uh, fan base down there in Texas. Um, I guess I can't get you to do a fly Eagles fly, can you? No, no, man. I can't have my house. No toilet paper. No <laughs> <laughs> but I really thank the Eagles for all of their support and the efforts they put forward you know, support the military. Thank I, you very I, much. Thank you guys for your time. Thank you for your service. And uh, we wish you the best of luck with this Hiring for Heroes program. Thanks to Toyota for being a big part of everything and presenting Sunday night's game against the Cowboys. Have a great day, gentlemen. Don't miss your chance to be in the stands at Lincoln Financial Field this season with an Eagles fan cutout. Put on your game day best and upload a photo of yourself so that you can still join us on game days. Fan cutouts printed by Rico are only $100 with net proceeds benefiting Eagles Autism Foundation. Your purchase will also waive the registration fee for the 2021 Eagles Autism Challenge event. Order yours at PhiladelphiaEagles.com cutouts. Well, that will do it for this Eagles Insider podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group, our tailgate edition. Thank you so much for joining us. We're back late, late, late Sunday night after the Eagles beat the Dallas Cowboys. A message for everybody, Dallas sucks. On the count of three, we'll all say it together. One, two, three, Dallas sucks. But it's a big game. Don't take the Cowboys lightly, even though they're two and five. We have seen stranger things happen. Thanks to Peter Kelly, Ray Doyle, and Trevor Hayes for their work here. Thanks to all of you for joining. If you have a moment to give us a five-star review, we've included the link in the show details in your podcast library. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks so much, everybody, for joining us. Eagles want to go into the bye week with a two-game winning streak, with a firm hold on first place in the NFC East. To do so, it's all about a win on Sunday night. Make sure you're with us, our Eagles kickoff show presented by Exalta, airs on our PhiladelphiaEagles.com, as well as our official team app and all of our platforms at 7.35 on Sunday evening. And then we'll have complete coverage, the post-game show presented by Rico. Make sure you are with us each and every step of the way. Thanks, everybody. Have yourselves a great Eagles day, and fly, Eagles, fly. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! We want you to know about all the podcasts in the Eagles network of podcasts. 
So make sure you tune in to not only this Eagles Insider podcast three times a week, but make sure you subscribe and listen to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast every Tuesday and Thursday, our Journey to the Draft podcast Tuesday and Thursday, and our Eagles Update podcasts, which give you the news in a flash Monday through Saturday throughout this 2020 season. Sign up, subscribe, and listen to our Eagles network of podcasts.